everyone, and welcome to She Broadcasts on the MGM Indie Radio a network of shows. I want to welcome you all for coming today. This is our first show on a new series in which we will focus on women and all of the challenges and accomplishments and, you know, a lot of other things that we, we deal with in trying to manage our lifestyles with our families and our careers. Today's guest is Ms. Chelsea C. Elliott, who is a wonderful uh, businesswoman, uh, a woman concerned about children, as we all are, but she has taken it another step. And I want to welcome her today because we're going to talk about the things that she's doing, and we're going to talk about her company and some other great um, publications that she's made, as well as some things that you can apply to your own life with your own children. So let me go ahead and bring her in. Chelsea, can you hear me? Chelsea, can you hear me? Yes, can you hear me? Yes, I hear you now. So I was having some technical issues <laughs> and it normally works, but then I have experience with uh this platform occasionally they will throw you a little uh a little uh, uh rock into the system. So mm-hmm. <laughs> thank you so much for coming today and I'm I'm grateful to have you. Um you have some wonderful information to provide for us. Something that I had never knew about and now I'm doing a lot of research uh, based on what you were uh, providing. So what I'd like you to do is just tell us about yourself and then we're gonna focus on the subject of EQ. So you have the floor. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here and to share this information with a whole new audience because it is very important. So my name is Chelsea and I am a wife, a mom of two little kids, one and five. And I have some mental health challenges that started in my childhood. So my focus is on helping adults create emotionally safe spaces for kids so that kids can grow up knowing that their emotions are okay, understanding themselves, and um, having some healthy self-regulation tools that they can use, you know, when they when they need to feel supported. Okay. Well, we can all use some tools when it comes to dealing with our children. And um, tell us about your, your background, your, your educational background, and how that led you to do what you do now. Sure. So uh, I have a bachelor's degree in psychology. I also got a certificate with that degree in child abuse recognition because I've always loved working with kids and always I wanted to be a um, a clinical psychologist, a child psychologist. That was my goal to get my PhD in child psychology. But instead, I went to uh, Boston College for a master's in macro social work with a focus on children, youth, and families. And that was um, really focused on social innovation and creating new and creative social enterprises, so businesses that are for-profit with a social mission as, as their mission. Um, so that was what my, uh, my master's degree was in. And then I got a business certificate in uh, the women's, what is it called, a women's um, entrepreneurship certificate from Cornell. So those are the 
the three major educational uh, programs that I've been in that have helped me to create what I've created so far. That sounds great. Now, what what was it that drew your attention to EQ? And tell us about EQ. So EQ is your emotional quotient. So it's the other side of IQ. So everybody knows what IQ is. It's basically how intelligent you are, how many things you know. Um, and your EQ, or a lot of people call it emotion, it's called emotional intelligence, but you, you'll see it as EQ. Um, that's how how in tune you are with emotions for yourself for other and for other people. So there are five different areas of emotional intelligence. Um, two of them focus on the self. So how aware are you of your emotions and your understanding of them? And then how do you manage them? And then the other ones are more about other, you know, your interaction with others. So how aware are you of other people's emotions? And how do you interact with people based off of their emotions, so your relationship with others? And then responsible decision-making, so being able to look at the whole situation that you're in and make responsible decisions based on emotions. So um, okay. that, that's Is what that you're something that can be measured? It like, can I be measured. measured. How is that measured? Yeah, so there are a lot of different emotional intelligence um, assessments online. I know the Emotional Intelligence 2.0 is a book that I absolutely love. Um, that is written by Travis Bradbury and Jean Greaves. And you can, uh, if you buy the book, you'll get free access to the assessment on their website. And it, it has you take it twice. So you take it once, read the book, and then take it again to see if your skills have improved. But it's difficult to measure because, you know, when you're in an emotional state, your mindset is different for different different situations. And so you would have to take it at a time when you're feeling okay, when you're feeling fine. And if you're not in tune with your emotions, you might not recognize when you're not okay. Um, but it can be measured. It's very subjective, very, very subjective. Nobody can tell you whether your EQ is high or not. I mean, within reason, but, you know, you can you can have a good understanding of it based on how you respond to situations, what's your knee-jerk reaction to a situation, how do you handle other people's emotions, um, do you recognize, you know, can you read the room, you know, how do you recognize how other people are feeling, so, yeah. Now, but in I regards got into, to your, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> so I got into this because I, um, you know, it, it all started in my childhood, and I I um, grew up in California, and we moved to Ohio, leaving my dad behind. We moved to Ohio, uh, my three sisters and my mom, to take care of my grandfather. He had gotten sick, and they weren't expecting him to make it through the surgery. They weren't expecting him to live much longer after that, but he ended up living for 21 years after his surgery. So he's an amazing guy. Um, he has passed on uh, in 2019, but you know, he lived for a very long time after his procedure, but we ended up staying in Ohio. My father stayed in California until he passed. And so there was just a lot of uncertainty, a lot of confusion and different things that were going on. And my mom did the absolute best that she could. She's, she is a phenomenal woman. She took care of us. I still like being a mom myself. I'm like, I don't know how she did this <laughs> with all four of us. I don't know how she did this, <laughs> but um, you know, there were some emotional struggles in all of that. 
And a lot of a lot of times when a simple sit down, you know, hey, this is what's happening. How do you feel? Would have really helped. But instead, it was like, okay, we got to move on to the next thing. Okay, we got to move on to the next thing. And I understand that now. But as a kid, you're lost and you're confused and you're being told you're going to do one thing and then the complete opposite happens. And so you feel so out of control in your life that you start to, you know, try to find ways to have control. And a lot of times those aren't healthy ways. Or kids find ways to blame themselves for things that they, you know, have no business blaming themselves for, finding fault in themselves. And if they don't have somebody to talk to about that, that's what's going on in their head. So it changes the perception that they have of that situation for the rest of their lives. You know, that you might be able to look back on times when, you know, you thought that something happened in one way when really it was another way, but because the perception that you had of it was that one way, that's what you grew up believing. And so I grew up with depression and anxiety and suicidal ideation. And it was just such a normal part of my life that I didn't know what it felt like to feel healthy. I had no clue what it felt like to feel healthy. And if I wasn't panicking about something, I felt like I needed to. And so then I was panicking about not panicking. And so that was my life. And I always prayed to God, why did you give me a broken brain? Why did you give me such a broken brain? I'll never know what it feels like to be normal. I'll never know, you know, have the experience of saying, oh, this happened and that's okay, I'll get through it because everything was doom and gloom my whole life. And, you know, that impacted me a lot. So when I started um, college, I did all these assessments on campus. I think they were free at the time, like grad students were doing ADHD assessments. And so I was diagnosed with ADHD and that was a huge help. I saw another graduate student um, for counseling and was able to get on medication for depression, anxiety, and that was a major help. Um, but I was really able to take care of myself once I was by myself. And then I started to experience what it felt like to be normal. And I wanted to support all the children in the world to make sure that they understood that their emotions are okay and know that, you know, it's things that happen to you as a kid are not your fault. It's okay for you to feel sad. It's okay for you to grieve. You know, those things are normal, but it didn't feel normal at the time because we had to keep moving. We had to keep living. And so, um, you know, instead of so when I went to grad school, I realized, like, I could have a bigger impact on more kids if I worked with the adults because I can do all the work that I can with a child. But if they're going home to the same environment or they're going back to the classroom in the same environment with that same mindset around them, you know, than before, then they're not really getting the help that they need. So my goal now is to support the adults around the kids and give them easy tools, easy resources where they don't even have to really think about it. They can just provide kids with a, a broader understanding of their emotions, of self-regulation, of, um, you know, that their feelings are okay and what it physically feels like to feel those feelings so that they know what they're going through and what they're, what they're experiencing. So it, it's been I always say it's been a lifetime in the making. All of this has been such a huge part of my life. Um, and now with my own kids, I always said, I don't care if they can't read and write, they're going to know their emotions. They're going to be able to tell people how they feel and understand how they feel. So that it, it's always been, always been a part of my life. That's wonderful. Now, how has it helped you in applying it with your own children and, and and I understand your husband works with you on these on these things too. How has it helped him as well to understand, you know, how to deal with your children's 
knowing about EQ and all? Yeah, so that that's a really good question. It has been an interesting journey. I am so proud of my husband. I am just, I'm in awe of him every day. His patience has gone so far up. You know, we, we go through the day, we're stressed out through the day, and then we get home and we're exhausted and the kids want to jump all over you. And, you know, or you clock out because we're both working from home right now. And, you know, the kids want to be all over you and you're just like, oh, I just need a break. But his patience has, <laughs> he's he's been doing an amazing job. Um, it has definitely changed the way that we interact with our kids. So at the beginning of the pandemic, um, I was pregnant with our youngest and our oldest was used to going to school. And I remember I, I told her teacher like, yeah, today's going to be the last day we're keeping her home. And I don't think my daughter really understood what that meant because she was little, but I think she was about three, but, um, we didn't take her back to school. So she's been home ever since. And she struggled with that a lot. And I didn't, I felt really bad because I'm like, I don't know what else to do. Um, I'm working full time. And I, I started helping people with the self-publishing of their children's books, because um, that was something that I was really interested in, but I needed to focus on my child. And so I would notice that she would act out at certain times of the day or after something happened or right before we were about to do, like, I would, I would study her and really study her behavior. And so if she was jumping around in the living room, knowing she shouldn't be jumping in the living room, I would take her to another space. I'd take her downstairs. Like, why keep her in a space where we have to keep saying, stop doing that, stop doing that, stop doing that, when I can just remove her from that situation and put her in a space where she can do that. So we got her a trampoline, so, one that's in the house so that she can jump around whenever she needs to get her energy out. And as I studied her behavior more, I was giving words to her feelings and how, you know, helping her understand how she's feeling. She's bored. She's tired. She's grumpy. She's hangry. So she tells me those things. She can say that, mom, I'm really hangry right now. I need to eat something. Or I'm really bored. That's why I'm acting out. She'll literally say that. And I'm like, thank you for telling me so I can figure out the best way to support you in this moment. So it's a collaborative effort with the children, you know, to give them exactly what they need in that moment so that they can feel okay without us elongating the process, being upset, you know, elongating that situation with, with our own anger and frustration. So it took a lot of patience and a lot of time to really um, implement that, but it has been so much simpler. You know, she's still a kid. There's, there's still kids. My um, almost two year old is, She's pretty chill, but she can be rowdy too. <laughs> but it's it's been so much easier to give them the words. And my my youngest can't talk for real yet, but she she can let me know how she's feeling. She can let me know exactly how she's feeling and what she's going through. She'll cross her arms when she's mad, or she'll come up and give us a hug if she needs some comfort. You know, she lets us know when she's sad, and she does it in her own way. And I absolutely love that because she's learning from her big sister, who's learning from us modeling those things. And um, my husband and I are both in counseling. We're both in therapy um, individually, and we share a therapist. And just, you know, him expressing himself to me and how he's feeling about different things instead of bottling it up and taking his anger out, you know, in a way that's not productive or not healthy or safe for anybody. It's just understanding our emotions has been a game changer in our family and in our household. Okay, so now in relation to your your relationship with your husband, 
Can you give an example, um, not with like really deep details, but an example of how um, you had a situation or something or a conversation or whatever, and you used EQ as a way to understand where he was coming from and vice versa? Yeah, so one time we had, and this probably changed our relationship completely, Um, you know, being burnt out and just wanting some space, wanting some time alone. Uh, This was many years ago. I think our oldest may have been two at the time. And I was just like, I need to sit by myself. And so I came up to my room and I sat down on the bed and he was like, do you not want to be around her? And I was like, no, I just need some space to myself. And we got into this huge argument. It was so, oh my God, it was so bad and so unnecessary. But at the end of it, it lasted for probably three or four hours. By the end of it, I realized that we both have anxiety. And I had told him something about like postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression that freaked him out with him thinking that I was going to do something to harm our daughter. And I was like, I would never do that. But he was like, but you told me that it can happen. And I was like, okay, I get it. So that's why we're both in counseling. That's why, you know, we continue to talk and express ourselves and I can be open with him and he's open with me because we both have anxiety and understanding what that looks like for us. Between the two of us, it used to be butting heads all the time, but now it's more more from a supportive space. We are always more supportive to each other now because I'm like, oh, I understand how this might trigger a response in him, and he understands how this might trigger a response in me, or if I'm feeling depressed, all I have to say is I'm feeling really low today, and he knows exactly what to do. So that has definitely helped our relationship big time, big time. Well, that's great to know for those of us who have spouses and, you know, come across challenges that we look for a lot of other resources that help us through. So I think that's something that could possibly help others. Is there a place where other people can go to research uh, without actually having to go to college for it, but uh, (laughs) research EQ and and how to apply it to their own personal lives? Yeah, so on my website, I have a blog. Um, I haven't really written about relationships, but I'm going to start because I think that, you know, my focus is on kids and families, and that includes the relationships that parents have with each other, whether it's a co-parenting situation or, you know, two parents in the same household or outside the, the household. So I'll be posting more about that, but I do have a lot of resources on my own website, you know, www.somocomlab.com. S-O-M-O-C-O-M lab.com through the blog where, you know, they can learn some more just to get a a start, an introduction to emotional intelligence. Okay. Well, I'm going to post that link um, when we finish the show and uh, I put your information up so everybody can follow you. Now, you also have um, a publishing company. Can you tell us about that and the book that you published? Yeah, so I actually started my self-publishing business um, because my husband wrote a book when he was in second grade, and I'm I'm really crazy with my gift giving, and so um, I had that book. I I wanted to have it as a Christmas gift for him, as like a real published book. So it was it was hardcover, but it was all hand drawn and handwritten. Super cute. It was a class assignment in second grade, and we were reading it to our daughter a lot. And, you know, it was kind of old, tearing up, and I wanted to preserve it. And so um, 
I went through the process myself, and it was probably July and August that I started this. And I was like, well, I have to have a book done by Christmas. I have to have it done by Christmas. Never had published a book before. I only had one experience with one person that had done it before. And I was, you know, part of her process, but I wasn't really in it. But I just knew it was possible. So by December of that year, 2019, I had published his book, and I gave him royalties, and he got the copyright. And I recorded his reaction because he's such a softy, such a big, sensitive guy. So, you know, I just wanted to keep that memory forever, but it ended up going viral. And I had so many people who were grandparents who were like, I have wanted to, you know, I've been telling my kids these same stories since they were babies. And now I'm telling my grandkids the same stories. And I've always wanted to put them in a book, but I didn't know where to start. And I got that so often. I got that, I mean, all the time. And I felt bad because I'm like, well, I have the skills to do it, so why not? You know, I felt like that was something that God was leading me to. So I went ahead and started Bedtime Memories Publishing Company because our, you know, favorite bedtime memory is is reading books together. That's what we do. Um, And now my oldest reads a book to her great-grandma every night. So that's just what we do. Um, So I published his book first, and then I helped my sister-in-law publish her book. And I was like, okay, I have a process down. I can do this. So I started, you know, helping other people. And then I published my own book because I was like, well, I have to go through the process myself. (laughs) You know, I need to know what it feels like to be that author. And it was very intense. It can be kind of scary and intimidating, you know, making sure you have the right people. But I luckily have found an amazing team that can, um, you know, that's been really supportive on this journey. And so I have published, I want to say it's been around 15 books so far, helping people publish their books. So I do the work on the back end, all the, you know, editing and all the way down to filing the copyright, like just making sure that they have everything that they need. Uh, I only do picture books, you know, children's picture books, because they're my favorite. (laughs) And they they don't take as long. Um, I have an illustrator who I absolutely adore. I work with her on everything, all my projects. And, um, so, yeah, so then once I'm done with your book, I give it to you and you do whatever you want with it. So that's how I got started and that, that's what I do now. So how did you find the time to do all of that and raise your daughters and and manage your company? How do you find the time to do that? I also have a full-time job. Um, so, yeah, I, I have ADHD and people <laughs> always say that's a superpower and it is, and I always thought there was something wrong with me, but now I'm using it, you know, to my advantage. So I can do multiple things at one time. Um, I have passion for these projects. They're not, you know, oh, I just need to make money, so let me hurry up and do this. Like, no, this is stuff that I really care about. I feel like every single person has a book that they can share with a child, has a, a, a lesson and a story that they can share to help support a kid. And so that's what, you know, that's what my publishing clients offer. Um, so it just makes it easier and it's stuff that I can do with my own kids. So Natalie, my oldest daughter is one of the kids in the EQ kids crew. She was the, um, inspiration and the focus of my two books, Natalie, the monster slayer and Natalie's not so fun play date that are about social emotional learning and increasing kids, emotional intelligence. Um, and so having them as a part of the process and all these projects has been fun. Like they're my testers for all the stories that we write and that my clients write and, you know, just making sure that um, they're involved in it and they absolutely love it. So that's that's what keeps me going. But it's more of my creative outlet than any, anything else. 
you know, we all need one. <laughs> we all absolutely need a creative outlet. So it gets overwhelming sometimes doing a lot, but it's it's so worth it. That definitely is true. We do need an outlet. And for some of us, uh, I believe a lot of people have some undiagnosed ADHD as well. I feel yes. like I have it a lot because I find myself trying to yes. do so many things and I can't focus on just one because then I just start getting sleepy because I'm bored <laughs> if I just think of yes. one thing. So I was like, I got to do something else to keep myself awake. <laughs> I can handle the first thing. <laughs> yes, that is, that is, I want to, I think I'm the like, statistic was that like. talking about it. I'm like, wait a minute, do I have ADHD? <laughs> I think the statistic is like, oh God, between 80 and 90% of entrepreneurs have ADHD. It is actually a superpower, like to be able to see so far in the future and know that, you know, you're getting so much done for a greater good. Like that's, there's nothing wrong with it. I love my labels because they help me understand myself. They help to increase my EQ so that I know how to how to work through whatever I'm going through. So if my brain feels really frazzled and scrambled, then I know I'm doing entirely too much and I'm probably stressed out and I need to slow down. Um, but yeah, my ADHD gets me through a lot. I, I can do a lot. I think it's important sometimes to be able to have a way of managing your life when you have to do so many different things, like with you, you have a full-time job, you have your own company, you have a publishing company, you you have you have a family, and you probably work with other people and all that. So it's it's, it's a good way to manage those things and be aware of those things. Can you give um, the audience some tips on how you apply what you know, what you've learned to everyday life when they come across challenges? You know, let's say. Um, uh, they have no choice, but they have more than one job, <laughs> and I have four kids, and it, it might be a single parent or, uh, you know, a, a couple where one of the parents is not working in the home and is off all the time. So the, the you know the one parent is always doing most of the work. What kind of advice can you provide for the families like that to help them um, in you know dealing with the situation? Yeah, so that's uh, another really great question. <laughs> there are so many things that are running through my head right now. Um, there are some preventative measures you can take, so prioritizing yourself as often as you can. It doesn't have to be for a long time. It can be five minutes that you give yourself some self-care, and you say, you know what? Nobody else matters in this moment. This is about me. Give yourself that time. Um you know, standing outside and taking a deep breath, that's one of my favorite self-care tips because it doesn't cost you a dime. <laughs> you can do it. Just take one deep breath, 30 seconds. Just breathe in, breathe out, walk back in the house. Just give yourself some time. Um, continue taking care of yourself, so taking showers and brushing your teeth, doing your hair every day. If you're a new parent, I, I volunteer with an organization that saved my life multiple times called POEM um, out here in Ohio. And you know, I, we talk a lot about, um, it's about maternal mental health and how can you take care of yourself with little ones when you're not feeling really well, you're not, you know, you might have to go back to work soon or you're at work and you're freaking out because you want to be with your kids. Like there are a lot of different things that you can do, um, just for yourself, but preventative measures are, are key. So taking care of yourself spiritually, mentally, emotionally, um, physically and financially, whenever you can. You know, putting money in a savings account can boost your mood. 
um, uh, I take what's called a fancy shower, and there's a long story behind that. But <laughs> I have a nightlight in my bathroom. Uh, I might have a shower. What is it called? It's called a shower steamer thing, like little shower bombs. You can put on the floor and have the uh, essential oil smell going. And I play an app called Think Up. And you can re- record your voice saying affirmations, and it'll play back to you with music. And so that's how I take my showers when I want to feel fancy. So I have the lights off. I just have the nightlight on. It looks like a candlelight. I got the affirmation sounds and, you know, music going, and I have some essential oils. And you got to take a shower anyway. So why not make it a special moment? You know, that's the way you can prioritize yourself. Um, and when you're, when you're, like, in the throes of it, just reminding yourself, giving yourself some mantras and things that you can say to yourself over and over again. This isn't going to last forever. You know, I, I may feel tired now, but I'm going to feel rejuvenated by the morning. Um, just giving yourself something to look forward to. Um, yeah, my, my mind is like racing with this. There's, <laughs> there's so many different self-care techniques and strategies that you can use. Uh, but, but definitely, you know, don't make it such a big deal that you feel guilty in the end, you know, you don't have to spend thousands of dollars on yourself um, and then feel bad about doing that. Like, just go shopping for you. You know, don't buy your kids anything the next time you go out. Just do it for you. Um, but just making yourself feel like a priority. We, we prioritize everybody so much that we put ourselves on the back burner and then, you know, we don't get a break until we're burnt out. And when we're burnt out, we're sick and we're resentful and we're, you know, feeling all these unpleasant feelings in ourselves. And it's better to prevent that or not have those moments last as long by doing these things consistently. Journaling is another great one. Gratitude journaling or stream of consciousness, just writing out whatever's in your head, Um, you know, those types of things. Great tips. And I'm pretty sure... Uh, the the shower technique is going to help me a lot because <laughs> <laughs> I really love aromatherapy and uh, I also what I do myself is play classical music, mm-hmm. um, not the busy kind, the piano based and uh, something that's really uh, soft and relaxing. And for that little moment of time in the shower and playing that, I can t- shower with my eyes closed and just kind of concentrate on the music, and that helps to relax. Um, I, I usually take the busy part of classical music and use that to clean the house. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Those type of things help a lot. So some great advice uh, for busy parents out there. Um, now, you have a, a master's in social work. Do you have any experience in working with uh, foster children? I do not have experience working directly with foster kids, no. Um, I just wanted to bring that up because I I feel that had I known, I worked in uh, foster care myself for approximately five years, I believe. But my mother mm-hmm. was a foster care parent while I was living with her. Uh, even through my teen years and my adult years when I came to help her out a little bit, she was working in foster care. And those children had a lot of emotional issues, mm-hmm. and especially with communication. So I wish I really had known about EQ at the time because I had a job working with uh, the older kids and helping them to prepare themselves for adulthood and being able to, you know, blend in with the society without letting being a foster kid in their, you know, back 
background have a, a, a deterrence on their success in, as an adult. So I really mm-hmm. wish I had that. Uh, EQ is just something that I think would be great for foster parents and for agencies that, you know, support uh, the clinicians that work with the foster children. Do you do you agree with that? Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. I I know that the statistics, um, and I, I don't have them, like, offhand, but I know that the statistics of, you know, people that age out um, in homelessness, you know, the statistics are high um, for foster youth that have aged out in homelessness and incarceration and, you know, just crime in general. Like, it, it, it's just awful that they're not supported emotionally in the way that they're needed. And I know that I know that the situation is difficult. The system is, it can be hard to work with. Um, so supporting them as much as you can, can, can be a challenge, especially if you're, if you're a caseworker trying to, trying to do all you can for all the kids in your caseload. But yes, it, helping them understand what emotions they're feeling, the, you know, the abandonment that they're feeling, the neglect that they're feeling, all of those things is so important. And then there's something called ACEs, which are adverse childhood experiences. Um, and they are they can be broken down into three categories, neglect, uh, abuse, and uh, family dysfunction. And so the higher, the more ACEs you have, the more, you know, instances of neglect, abuse, or family dysfunction that you have, the higher your, your physical health can decline, like the higher rate of physical health decline you can experience, and um, including emotional and mental health. So I know that kids in foster care are in the system for a reason, and I'm sure that they have a lot of ACEs, you know, that need to be worked out that they've experienced, and so they need a lot of emotional support. They absolutely need a lot of emotional support. That's absolutely true because my mother had a lot of children and for mm-hmm. here staying in her home with us. And we had children from six years to uh, 16. And the little ones, they have been traumatized so much, yeah. both from the, the incident that caused them to be separated from their family and then, you know, the displacement yeah. um, of having to be with complete strangers and then having trouble communicating and being able to, you know, tell the foster parent why they're acting out or why they feel the way they feel. And the agency that I work with, uh, they had clinicians, but they weren't trained completely in certain things. And if they were, they didn't apply it. And I I felt like there was a lot more they could do with the kids and with working with the foster parents. I feel like a lot of the foster parents were there for the money and mm. not really – concentrating on the, the children's needs and then some who you know wanted to address those needs didn't have all the tools that they needed and weren't getting it from the, the you know the agency so yeah. uh i feel like there should be a lot more of outside you know um uh tools that can be applied to even work with the parents or the clinicians and I think that what you do would be a great asset to any foster care agency and any social worker uh, so that they can have a better understanding of, you know, helping that child to communicate. Do you agree with that? 
I do, and I appreciate you saying that. That that is definitely uh, a demographic that I would love to support. So I also have um, this is something else that well I came up with this in 2017 with my husband, but it's called Reach, and it's my workshop series, and I have different workshops for um, adults, you know, educators um, and parents and different you know different groups of adults to help them understand how to create you know, that emotionally safe space for a child through their words and their actions. So REACH stands for Respect, Empower, Adapt, Care, and Hear. So how do you show a child respect? How do you empower them? How do you, you know, adapt to whatever their needs are in the moment, even if it's inconvenient to you? How do you show them that you care? And are you able to hear what they're saying and what they're not saying? You know, what their body language is saying. So, being able to do that, especially with the foster care, you know, children that are in foster care, I think would be very powerful and very impactful uh, for them. I also have, you know, training for kids and teens and just a, I, my whole goal, my whole mission and purpose in life is to help people feel emotionally supported. And, you know, even if that's just with themselves, if they have to, you know, support just themselves whatever that looks like for them. I want them to feel emotionally supported. So, yes, I would absolutely love to work with that demographic to provide, you know, whatever support is needed for them to to reach those kids in a more meaningful way. That would be great because, um, well, if I was still working with that agency, I would definitely refer your practice to them. And But what I'll do is I will do some research on my own for some of the foster care agencies that could, you know, uh, uh, afford to use this uh, uh, service and just type, just pretty much refer them uh, to you to see if you guys can work it out to have some type of project in which that can be of some help to them. So I'll do that on my own because I do have some contacts. So um, now I'm going to take a little break, a little music break. And I'll be right back in a couple minutes before we end the show. So if you want, go and get a cup of coffee or stretch or do whatever you have to do, and we'll be right back.
right, so I'm back now, and I'm here with Chelsea C. Elliott, who is a, to me, brilliant woman, mom, businesswoman, and perfect for our first guest on She Broadcast. And by the way, she stands for She's Highly Empowered. So that is the reason why I came up with this, because I was going to have people like Chelsea, who's highly empowered, to come through and talk with us and work with us on, you know, having a great show and helping other women understand their full potential and also applying it to their home life. Now, Chelsea, I did have a question for you in regards to uh, the products that you have on at your store. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you explain to us how to use uh, the card, the EQ Kids Crew cards? Yeah. So each card deck, um, so when I first created this, I made the full set. It's, it's huge. Um, it has 130 emotions on it. It's based off of the emotion wheel that's on my website. And uh, so each each card, the front of the card has uh, an emotion, one of the seven core emotions that are in the center of that emotion wheel and a child showing what that emotion looks like. And then when you turn the cards over, it has one of those words that takes a deeper dive into that emotion, into that core emotion. So it's, um, you know, the the wheel has three different levels, and so it goes into level two and level three. And um, it has that emotion, a very kid-friendly definition of that emotion, and then four different activities so the kids can – Talk about how it physically feels in their body to feel that emotion. They can act it out so they can role play what that looks like. They can draw it or write about it. And um, I have journals that they can use for that, you know, just a, a safe space that they can write or draw whatever they're feeling. Or they can talk about a time where they felt that emotion. So this is, that's what makes it a game. Like this is, this is where the conversation comes in for that piece. So um, you know, the adult can also share if they want to while they're playing it. But, it's you know, I didn't want to make it a digital game because I want to keep it as a conversational game, a non-competitive conversational game where people can talk and share and really get a better understanding of what their feelings look like and what they are. Um, so, and then underneath that, it has similar words that are associated with that one term so that they can get a better, you know, a holistic view of what that word looks like. Uh, so the the family friendly version of the game has just level one and level two, uh, which is 48 cards total. Um, you can also get a spinning wheel, and so you can spin the wheel to you know randomize the emotions that you talk about. So you can spin it, land on one of those core emotions, and pick a card from that emotions deck. Do one of the activities, and then there's a, a card with self regulation activities that are called comfort or calming techniques. And you can pick a number from one to 10 or just pick, you know, some of those activities to do just so they can understand what self-regulation looks like and feels like and have those in their, you know, their toolbox when they, when they're in a moment, when they're experiencing a moment. So it also comes in a comfort bag that kids can use to, you know, you can use it to store the game, but you can also use it to carry things around. They can have that as their, you know, fidget toy storage so that they can take their favorite toys around with them. Or if you're in, um, uh, two different households, then the child can put their favorite toys in it to go to their other parents' house or their grand, excuse me, their grandparents' house. Um, 
or, you know, I, I have uh, one person who uses them to go out to a restaurant, which I thought was pretty cool. So that's what their waiting game is, you know, having those conversations. So you spin the wheel, learn about an emotion, take a deeper dive with the activities, and then use a self-regulation technique. So that's how you play the game. <laughs> I think those are great tools to use. And uh, uh, I'll be sure to post the link also to uh, the website uh, where everyone out there can go and get their EQ Kids Crew bundle set because it gives you all the different tools that Chelsea just mentioned. Uh, in addition to you looking around on the website and getting more information about how to use them and, and how to apply it to your own personal life. So now do you have any other things coming down the, uh, down the aisle to, you know, add to your store? Oh, so many. Oh my gosh. I'm a one man band right now. So <laughs> trying to do all the things <laughs> has been a little bit of a struggle, but I have a, a million different ideas. I'm going to, I'm going to be creating a community soon so that parents can feel supported as they're going through this work. Because a lot of times, you know, if your family thinks that you just need to smack your kids to get them in line, it's hard to not do that if that's all that you know and that's all that everybody around you is telling you. But there is a very large community of others that will support you and help you find different techniques and different ways to help your kids and to find your own voice. So, that's going to be the, the purpose of the community that's coming soon. There's also going to be some resources for older kids because right now my focus is on the younger kids so that as they get older, these tools become their norm. They become their, their um, trigger responses, you know, instead of the less pleasant behaviors. So I'm going to have some resources coming soon for the older kids, the teenagers. Um, and I know people have been asking for things for adults. Which, I, you know, I'm still considering that. But right now my focus is on kids. So, those, yeah, some things are they're coming soon, more courses. And I've been doing a lot of talks on self-care, um, uh, limiting beliefs for teens, and, you know, just a lot of different areas where just want to support people. So if you have any extra ideas, I'm open to it. You can always send me an email. <laughs> oh, that's fine. Best believe I'm going to be sending you some stuff. <laughs> Let me ask you this: Can this be applied to children who have autism or any any you know part of that uh, that mental? Um, I don't want to call it a disorder because, in my opinion, autism is just special children or people who are able to tap into a portion of the brain that nobody else is using, and yeah. it's just the other stuff you have to learn how to deal with too that is the stuff we all deal with or we all work on and think about yeah. but those children and adults only have one portion of that which to me makes them actually really special because there's some stuff that I've seen autistic kids do that are just amazing to me and it's, it's hard to believe that they have such an issue of communicating I don't think they're the ones with the real problem I think <laughs> the rest of the society is that. the problem <laughs> yes Yes. So no, so neurodivergence. Yeah. Because yeah, so the... The, I, the way I'm doing, we have no means of understanding that and, and communicating with that. So, therefore, there are issues. And then, you know, they are the ones who are the special ones 
to learn how to communicate with them. So how does this uh, have an opportunity to work with those children that are dealing with autism? Yeah, so uh, my first crew kid actually is an autistic boy. He's now four. He was three when he started using the game. But his mom just sent me a video of him going through the cards and telling her what each one was. And I was like, oh, my goodness. But they started with the spinning wheel, which is why I came up with the smaller wheel, because he loved his wheel so much. So I was like, everybody needs everybody needs to have one of these. Every kid needs to have, he called it a clock. So I'm like, every kid needs to have his clock. Um, but mm-hmm. yes, it is. The, the cool thing about the game, so this, this game was an idea. It was a vision that I had one day. And I was like, this is so crystal clear. I have to get this out of my head just so I can see it because it was so clear in my head. And when you look at it, it it looks a little complex, but it can be used in so many different ways. So um, his mom was using the wheel to show him the color, what the emotion looked like and what the word was. And that's one way that you can just start just using the wheel or just using the front of one of the, you know, the front of each card to show the kids what that looks like. And then as they become more advanced with it, you know, they get more comfortable with that. You can go through the definitions. They can start doing the activities. You can have them role play what that looks like. You know, so there are a lot of different ways that you can use the game, that you can use each individual card to, you know, accommodate somebody's neurodiversity or whatever, um, whatever you need it for. I also have a speech language pathologist who is using them with her kids to help them with synonyms and uh, just expanding their vocabulary and some other things that I was like, Oh, I didn't know you could do that. (laughs) You know? So it's, it can be used in so many different ways. You don't have to just play it the way that the instructions say, because I want to make sure that it is something that is beneficial and not just, okay, we have this you know, because you have to use it. So, yes, it is definitely neurodiverse-friendly, autism-friendly, and I have a few parents who have experienced being able to communicate with their child for the very first time, which I was really surprised to hear. That was just absolutely amazing to me. So, yeah, it can can be used in the autism community. Well, that's awesome, and and I really appreciate you being with us today to talk about uh, EQ and your products and your business. Can you give the audience your website address and contact information once again before we end the show? Sure. So my website is www.somocomlab.com. That's S-O-M-O-C-O-M lab.com. And you can, you know, communicate with me through my website. I have a contact form on there. If you have any questions or any messages, I get questions from parents all the time asking about different situations that they're going through with their kids. And um, I'll also be putting my coaching and speaking information up there soon. So yeah, just let me know if you need any support or if you are excited to get started or if you've been doing this for a long time and you see how beneficial it is to you. I, I love to hear from people. Like it's a real person who's behind the, that email and that contact form. So, you know, send me a message. Ladies and gentlemen, you you heard her. You have the information. Now you have the to to uh, help you with your children. Chelsea, I want to thank you so much for joining us today and having this great conversation. Uh, I hope that we can have more, and we can also work together on this subject as well as others in the future. 
So uh, everyone, I want you to uh, once again applaud Chelsea C. Elliott, who is giving you some great tools to help your family. And um, we will be back later on uh, next week and some more shows. We're working on some new guests to uh, come in, some other uh, highly uh, empowered women that will be uh, blessing us with their presence. So thank you all. And have a great day. And remember, there's always some gold at the end of the rainbow for you if you're having any issues and trying to create this journey for yourself. So enjoy your day.